Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm Elizabeth. This is Amanda. And I'm Jasmine. And And we are the Sisters Collective. We invite you to pull up a seat and join our family meeting. All right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Back. welcome. Hey. 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 All right. So we are going to jump into this week's segment of Yard Sale. Everything yard sale. must go. Everything. For the free, Everything. for the low. But a, but a low, low. <laughs> um, so if you guys have anything to let go of this week, you can mm. go ahead and jump in. I will go ahead and jump in with Get mine right now. Um, since I had Baby Girls two months. Uh, vaccines today I am letting go of the traditional and non-traditional schedules we gonna be making up our own thing today cause I cannot I cannot she was not she was not happy wow and I cannot like I'm glad I don't got nothing tomorrow cause I feel like it's gonna tumble over until tomorrow cause she was just not how beautiful is it that you don't have to worry about clocking in somewhere tomorrow that you can stay home yes. with your baby that is now that so, I will so keep that awesome. I will keep that I have a, I have a let it go that. I just um, discovered that I have a let that was your, your let it go mm-mm I, mine was the mine was the schedule the vaccines okay. I'm, I'm letting all that go you can go right on I had already let it go but I'm, I'm gonna say what let it go is in case somebody else is struggling with letting it go I'm letting mm-hmm. go of the thought that a 9 to 5 is the only way Right. Uh, yes, ma'am. And embracing the fact that there are there are many paths to wealth, and a lot of times it involves you. And in fact, everyone should have. And my my thought process is everyone should have multiple streams. And if your only stream of of wealth and income is coming in from somebody's nine to five, you're going to be limiting your avenues for success. So I'm letting go of the idea mm. that a nine to five is the only way. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. I hear that. So it's me. Um, so it's me, Doctor Mandy, yeah. who tip. I'm letting go of thinking that I can do all this thing called life by myself. Like, as a counselor, I'm here and I'm helping everybody, but I rarely take advice. So I am letting go mm. um, of doing this on my own. Somebody right. say lighten the load. Lighten, lighten the load. load. Let it go. Yes. Let, Let it go. go. Woo. Mm. So we ready to get into we're the ready. family meeting. Well, all right. This particular episode, we're going to be talking about all things education. We have... Yes educators at the table from different sectors private school public school and we're going to dive into um, talking about things related to school and related to education and how things have changed and I found a quote that I want us to start off with and it's by our beloved President Barack Obama it says in a global economy where the most valuable skill you can sell is your knowledge Mm. a good education is no longer just a pathway to opportunity it is a prerequisite Mm. yes yes it's a prerequisite. What do you think about that? I say it. It says, in a global economy where the most valuable skill you can sell is your knowledge, a good education is no longer just a pathway to opportunity. It's a prerequisite. Yes. So dissect that global economy. The money that we make, or if you have a product, the only people buying your product are not the people that are right here around you. Mm, that's right. The internet mm-hmm. and has opened us up to people that we may never see face to face that have opportunities to uh, take advantage of our skill and our ability. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's made knowledge very important. What you know is what will get you paid. Right. Problem solvers get paid. That's something I have always understood and and, and come to understand. When you find the problem you were created to solve and you go about the business of solving it, people will pay you for that understanding Mm -hmm. and for that knowledge. So this quote makes me think about that. Um, your knowledge is very valuable. Your intellectual property is valuable. Um, but an education is what gives you that knowledge. Now, education yes. doesn't mean 
college. Right. That's right. There's so it many. It just means education. There are a lot of ways to be educated. Right. And we're going to kind of dissect that and talk about the traditional versus non-traditional forms of education, private school versus public school, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of, you know, interesting things going on as far as that is concerned. But what do you think about that quote? That a good education is no longer just a pathway to opportunity. It is a prerequisite, meaning is a prerequisite to you have to have that to get anywhere. Yeah. I'm all here for it because I, for me, as a photographer, I thought initially before going to school, I know you guys kind of were like, oh, you should go to a four-year university. Like, that was kind of the the mindset that I had going into my post, um, you know, high school days. And I didn't really know which route I wanted to take until I was made aware of, like, you know you can go to school for there photography. Are yeah. There are other options out there. And because I was made aware of that, look at where I am now like um and even after I went to school I didn't learn everything that I'm I'm doing real estate photography now I didn't learn real estate photography in school I had to be trained I learned from somebody how to do that and in a different setting than what would be the norm like I had OJT basically and that was on the job training if you didn't know um so I had that and I was given the opportunity to completely do something brand new for me mm-hmm. and that was based on being made aware of that the, the fact that there's other opportunities out there I, I can remember when you were getting ready to go to school because we had all gone to four year universities mm-hmm. it was like that's what you're supposed to do right, right. but we didn't even have that knowledge to know no there are other options right. out there for you you don't have to take the same path that we take now the things that I know now right. I would tell someone younger than me okay you don't have to go to a four-year college or university there are other um schools or things that you can do to get the training that you need it depends on what you're interested in i think sometimes we don't know what we're interested in what do Mm, we want to do and so then we struggle going through college trying to figure out okay what's my career path what's my career path and then you go get this degree and you realize uh, I don't even like this. That's not really right. what I want right. to do. And I end up in a totally different career path. But maybe if I had more exposure to different op- opportunities out there, maybe I could have figured it out, mm-hmm. you know, before getting that degree. What and Jasmine's? I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what was most disappointing when Jasmine went is I felt that the counselors at the time wasn't, they weren't really guiding her. Oh, and no, so they that weren't. was really like disappointing, especially because um, you all had went to a four year university. I was like, she going. Um, she wrong. She need to figure it out or whatever. But I'm so glad that she stuck, you know, to her guns and she was, she decided to do that. Uh, <clears throat> like you were saying, Jan passion interest skills you don't know and no one is trying to extract that from you to understand what you are good at sometimes what you are good at might not necessarily be what you're interested in right or vice versa mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you might have a, a hidden talent that no one has just tapped into that yet and that might be like you said um but that that is that uh what did you say what was it that hidden what did you say i don't remember it's okay you said tap into that you don't even remember what you said. Um, anyway, so just that hidden skill that you have that is going to make the world a better place. So 
so for me as a counselor, that's what I do. I tap into my students to find out what is it that you're what is it that you're good at? What is it that you're interested in? You know, there's so there's a wide array of assessments that you can do to tap into your student, to tap into your um, child, to find out what they're good at, to find out um, and what they said about. Because I know for me, I graduated from high school with my AA degree. Yay, yippee. But when I got to University of Florida, I was struggling because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Nobody told me I wasn't good at math. So I knew when I got into chemistry and failed it three times, that wasn't going to work. I was like, maybe I want to do nursing. Okay, I don't like blood. Maybe I want to. So, and what the statistics show that about 80% of the students that go to universities change their majors at least three times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And around the table, I could say that, that was, yeah. that's, that's almost the, the same. So parents just have to realize, you know, like we did as sisters, that is not your journey. It is a child journey, but it is our job to make sure that they are equipped for whatever that next step is based on what their interests are and what they're good at. And I think right. I, I teach high school and what I started doing because the particular school that I'm teaching at there isn't a guidance department. And that burdened me because I knew that students weren't necessarily getting the guidance that they needed, the guidance that we got. We got real guidance. We had guidance counselors that literally filled out applications for us because they understood that living with our grandparents, we didn't have the understanding of what it was going to take to get in the university. They knew that we had the aptitude for, for the university level, but they knew that but for them helping us, we wouldn't have been able to fill out the FAFSA correctly. We wouldn't have been able to fill out the college applications correctly. Right. We wouldn't have known anything about the testing. They they literally walked us through processes and did some things for us that we wouldn't have known on our own. That's one thing that one component of the educational process that has changed. And we're going to talk about some of those. But going back to what you were talking about, about kids knowing what they're good at. I think it's unfair for us to require someone that's 16, 17, 18 years old to know what they Mm -hmm. want with their lives Mm -hmm. because you don't know at 17 and 18 what you want with your life. Now, there are some times when you know you have ideas of what you're good at. Right. Um, You have ideas of some things that you might like, but a lot of times kids are giving, like if I ask some of my students, what are your what are your gifts? What are your skills? What are you good at? A lot of them cannot answer that question. Mm-hmm. They do not know how to verbalize mm. what they're good at. And they have not equated. Um, no one has given them permission to pursue passion over profit. Exactly. Ooh. Mm-hmm. No one has given them permission to do that. So when I ask them what they're good at um, in reference to what they want to be, they a lot of times do not tell me any of their creative gifts because no one has told them that I can can be creative and get paid. Mm -hmm. Or they've never seen it. So not just no one's ever told them. In, you know, traditional school, they're choosing, like you said, they're choosing profit. So they're like, I'm going to choose a traditional career uh, despite whatever. No, I I beg to differ. They've seen it. They grew up in a technological age where YouTubers are getting paid. Right. They see it. Let me explain why I say that. A lot of them are being so heavily influenced by parents who are living vicariously through their children Mm -hmm. that are picking careers for them Mm -hmm. that are telling them you can't, I know you're good at dancing, but but you're going to be a doctor. Right. Because their parents haven't seen, their parents haven't seen passion 
equal profit. Right. And so the parents are pushing their children sometimes to pick the career that makes them look good. The but, parent right. yeah. over what the child is good at. So that's some of the fact. That's not the totality okay. of it. But that's, that's not the totality. Some some things that I, I see differently um, among today's generation that they are choosing to me, what I'm seeing is they're choosing what they want to do. In some instances, I agree that parents are choosing for kids, but I see kids more. This is what I desire. If you not, if you won't help me, I'll figure it out. But I'm going to do what I uh, what I want to do. What I want to do more as an administrator is making sure that I expose students to all the options. Right. That's I I'll agree. Say, They're I choosing it more now. To, right. They're choosing more of what they want to mm-hmm. do, but I want to make sure that I expose them to here are all the options. You can go to a technical school. You can go to college. You can go to the military and then let them pay for if you to school. go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many options out there, but we, we have to help young people figure out what's my best option and not just leave them out alone to to figure it out we had people to help us um and that's my desire is to always make sure i'm there to help i don't care if it if i have to fill out the application because people did it for us yep and and so sometimes we may think okay we're helping students too much no. but it just depends on the students some of right, some right. students are not just self-motivated right right they need to, to you know, to be reminded of, okay, this is what you need to do. Okay, here's step A, here's step B, here's step C. And it's okay. They actually need somebody to guide them from step A to step C. And there are going to be other students who are right there in the middle who already have it. And so they're already at step C. And you just need to get them over the hump to step D. Exposure is everything. Re- exactly. And if you come from a family that traditionally there aren't college graduates, you don't you, you don't have the, you, you, you kind of have a leg down, if I, right. if I could say it like that. Right. There's nobody in your if no one in your family has gone through the process of filling out a FAFSA, doing the the scholarship applications, taking ACTs and SATs, and knowing what to expect on a co- on a collegiate level, mm-hmm. you are at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. It, especially if the help is not coming from somewhere else, or if you haven't seen it modeled somewhere else. So that's where the school system comes into play. That's where other family members come into play. That's where communities come, come into play. Um, helping students be able to model, see a model of what it looks like on another level mm-hmm. um, college is a thing for some students that's that's a definite route for them but that doesn't have to be the only route that we suggest and there used to be a time where that's all that was suggested now tides have turned on that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not all that people are suggesting but students have to now know where you want to go exactly. and what's going to be best for you to get where you want to be we want to talk a little bit about um, since this is our back to school kind of episode we want to kind of talk about uh, some of the challenges and changes that have happened in education um, or, or what, is, what are some of the challenges you see maybe from an administrative perspective whether it be the challenges for, that children face or the challenges that, that families are facing what are some challenges that you see from a public school perspective what are some things that parents need to kind of be aware of or that maybe we can do to help strengthen our students because I started doing some research and it was saying while 80% of students are now graduating from high school and we applaud that because mm, there used absolutely. to be a thing that was across the board 80% of the student population they're graduating from high school but less than half of that percentage are actually ready to do anything mm. past high school they're not math ready they're not proficient in math or in their reading skills so while they're graduating from high school 
the studies are showing that the school systems across the board are not preparing them. They're pushing them through the school. They're getting the, the, the high school diplomas, but not, they're not preparing them for anything after high school. What can we do to help parents and students address this concern? From a public school perspective, what can we do to help them address that? You know, one, one thing, I, I'm super excited that it's time for the students to come back. You know, I, I don't know about your job, but I love my job. So I'm super <laughs> excited about the kids coming back. Um, but one thing, I, I don't know if people really realize what our kids are dealing with. When we mm-hmm. look at the number of students that are homeless, that are mm-hmm. living in hotels, don't know where they're going to get their meal from that night. But then I have to come to school the next morning for the eight hours that they spend at the school and I have to pay attention. Then I have to pass all of my assessments and I have to think about graduation. I have to think about earning all of my credits. But I don't really even have anywhere to lay my head. And so now I think it's just making sure that we provide students with the support that's needed while they're at the school and then providing resources to families to get them the help that they need because there are resources out there. But I think as I mean, as the school, we still and we still have to help families figure out, okay, how can I get in a situation to where my kid can just worry about going to school and being a kid and not having to worry about taking care of family because we have kids who are taking care of families and they're only kids themselves. So the so the tool, if I'm hearing you correctly, the tool that you will offer to parents and to students as it concerns this statistic they're talking about is letting the parents and students know that there's help for them at the school. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. It's important that they know that. every. I know schools sometimes get a bad rap about because, you know, school to prison pipeline is a thing it is and the policing of our students especially the the black or brown ones is a real thing and it's a real problem but i want people to understand that there are people placed in these schools strategically that really do have a heart for these kids and really want to see them succeed so when there are issues and problems parents and students go to your school administrators and let them know because somebody there's help in all kinds of places that we sometimes as as a community don't know about and shame sometimes keeps right. us from asking right. for that help. So what you're saying is they need to know that there's help for them, right? right? Yes. And Go ahead, Go ahead Amanda. What? No, I was just going to reiterate what you were saying exactly. Don't allow um, you being ashamed of your current situation to stop you from getting the help that is there. Yeah. Um, and what is it? Close mouth, don't get fed. Like, you have to go to them. Um, sometimes if we know that your child is homeless or they're struggling in math, there are just so many um, resources yes. that are available out there. But unless you ask someone, unless you tell someone, they're not going to know that yeah. you need those services. Yeah, I was actually going to look at it from a different perspective because now as a parent, um, as an educator at, uh, in a Title I school, I dealt with all the things that Jen is talking about. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm a parent, when you know better, you do better. Um, graduating from school, understanding what that's like, all of, I would say, that my friends and what they're dealing with is just completely different. It's like uh, uh, what because they have you know money and access their problems are just different yes um so i find myself constantly you know they're like oh what's the difference between private and public what are some of the additional resources out there so outside of the k-12 setting outside of the actual public school setting there are so many different resources that you can find um 
So I just wanted to share that. So for people that are not, that don't have kids that are in the public school settings, there are still resources yes. for you, for you to be able to get your child. Go to tutoring. Like, parents need to understand. Tutoring was initially um, created to have your child be ahead. It wasn't created for what we use it for now, it, for remediation. Right. So if you stay ahead, what what is that saying? If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Mm-hmm. Tutoring isn't a punishment, and I think sometimes students uh, across the board, and I say that because I have my own tutoring company, my own um, educational consulting firm, and a lot of students that come to me, they come initially reluctantly because in their minds, tutoring means I'm slow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Tutoring means it's, it's like punishment, mm-hmm. and I have to get my sole purpose or one of my missions is to change how our people see help when it comes to educational services. Mm-hmm. Um, I have students that do come to me who are lagging behind, who have some education, mm-hmm. some some learning limitations, as I call them. I don't call them uh, whatever the learning deficits or, or disabilities. Like some students do have some learning limitations, mm-hmm. um, and they come in for additional assistance. But there are some who are coming in who are being pushed ahead. There are some who are, who are ahead and they're just maintaining. Um, tutoring uh, initially was for wealthy people who mm-hmm. wanted to keep their kids ahead, mm-hmm. gave them the advantage. And if we understood it from that perspective, when you come into tutoring, you're being given an advantage. Yes, you are. I So one thing, one tool or one thing I want to kind of admonish parents on, if your child is has a learning limitation, whether it's documented like on an IEP or you simply know your child is not reading well, they're not computating well outside of a calculator's usage, right. don't wait until school is halfway over to start tutoring right. get them some help during the summer if you didn't if you didn't buy you, your school is starting now mm-hmm. in another week school will be starting if you know you didn't do much education wise during the summer and school is getting ready to start as soon as they're in school you need to go ahead and start actually start now start contacting some tutors we'll leave some information if you want to reach out to me about questions and things like that places that we can connect you with you need to start getting the help your students need now if they struggle with math for the last three years they're still struggling with yes. math yes. so yes. don't wait until january or february to, to come to a tutor and say can you help them with 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 fsa we don't want to help them with FSA. We don't mm-hmm. want to get them mm-hmm. test ready. No. We want them to be ready, life ready. Right. We want to build right. competence, not your ability to take a test. Right. So that's one thing that I want to admonish, uh, admonish uh, parents on. Um, Jazz, you had anything to add on that? For, as a, as a stepmom, what can what? How can how can parents help their their kids? What what do what do we want to? What advice do we want to give them as far as the educational process is concerned? I think you definitely want to start with your kids early. Yeah. Um, start seeing what what they're interested in. Like uh, my stepson, he wants to be the president. Like literally, he yes. literally he has his cabinet picked out. Yes, he does. <laughs> Listen, and and he has known that he is getting ready to go to the fourth grade, and he's known that since like the beginning of second grade that he wanted to be the president. And how do you if if your child does come to you with something, it can be that it can be that they they want to they want to dance, they want to be in the arts, they want to do something outside of what you consider to be the norm. You need to nurture that. Yeah, foster. What foster foster their their strengths. Like mm-hmm. he knows history. We're gonna make sure he's in, in all the history classes. He wanted to find out about, you know, student government. We're gonna make sure that when you get into high school, when it comes to that that time, that you can be in student government yeah. so that you can foster the things that you say that right now, at this early age, you may change your mind and we let him know that you can change your mind. Right. Yes. Um so whatever they're interested in 
as whenever they come to you with that, one, be be tuned into what your child is mm-hmm. interested yes. in. Yes, be listening. Right. Be listening, be paying attention. But two, um, when they come to you with that, make sure that you you follow through with that. Yes. And and give them, he wanted a, a book about the presidents when he was in second grade. I was like, okay, how, how much is this book at the book fair? It was like $30. I was like, you know what? They be breaking up the calls at the book fair. They, yeah. they sure do. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? You want this $30 book because you said you're interested in the presidents. And it had all the presidents. All of them. All of them. And he brought it to the house and he has memorized the information about the president. He can give you any fact, anything, anything that you want to know about any president. He probably can tell you because that's how much he is interested in it. And that's not something that we force. So don't force. That'll be a third thing. Don't force Mm -hmm. your own ideology onto your child. Because even when we when we have conversations about the government and the news, when we watch the news, he is right there listening. But we don't put our views on him. We don't like tell him he asks a question about X, Y and Z. And I I give him the blanket information Mm -hmm. and I let him decide what which way he wants to go. What makes sense. What makes sense Mm to him. Um, But coming into this this next school year, I, I really just want to make sure that we again follow through with what he is he's um interested in and staying up on that work yeah don't don't let don't let them fall behind because once you get to the testing time and that's like not until that's a whole nother thing that's like what six seven months from now Mm -hmm. um that's not until the beginning of like next year the testing is next year but the preparation for it starts starts immediately almost starts immediately so if you don't wait until it gets like to the month of and you're like oh you have testing coming up are you ready they should have been ready so it's like you should, as a parent, when they have, whether it's because he's in elementary, so he has the ST math, he has iRead, yes. he has all these things that you can follow through and communicate with the teacher. That's another thing. Yes. Don't, yes. don't be um, that parent that you just get what they bring home and you're not communicating with the teacher because a lot of times you're able to understand really how they're doing if you're talking with that teacher it's interesting Um, you say that that was one of the things and i want you to continue one of the things that we said i found an article um on education week and it said 10 reasons the u.s education system is falling behind and the number one thing wouldn't you know it says parents are not involved enough and that but there are multiple mm, reasons that parents are not involved there are are a lot of reasons absolutely there are a lot of reasons but for the ones that can be involved in or not that's a problem that's a problem and and if you can't yourself if you have somebody else that's where the village comes in where is the village I feel like the the idea of the village is gone it's lost these days so you feel you some people can if you have somebody else that can step in you're mad that that person can step in and help you out because that person can be the support that your child needs right. especially if you can't be there at the the school meeting or the meet the teacher yes. the the open houses if you can't be there have somebody in your village that can be there so that they can get you that support, information but you know i i i see sometimes see it a little bit different um, when we talk about the village um, being there, what I think we have to, to do is connect um, with the parents where they are. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen where, are, yeah. where you could have a parent meeting and have two people there. But now we make personal phone calls to the families and you can have 100, right, 150. Right, right. So right. My thought process behind it is the village, I feel, is there, but I think our connection, how we're connecting 
with people and with families and and inviting them into that space. If people don't feel welcome mm. to come to the school to see what's going on, what's happening, then they may not come. But what approach is being taken to make people feel welcome and invite them into that space? Because right. sometimes we can seem because, okay, you may be dealing with a parent that may not be educated, that may not, they right. may not have gone to college. Right. So they don't know how to approach this person that has their master's or their Ph.D., and they may feel, I don't know if inferior, self-conscious. Right? self-conscious or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So they may not come and approach or come to the meetings. So I look at it from, okay, what am I going to do mm-hmm. to make people feel welcome and invite them into this space? And if they aren't available, I'm not going to make you feel bad about not coming to right. the school. What I'm going to do is see how I can connect you, connect with you, if that means me being at a school at 6 a.m. I'll be to that school at 6 a.m. If that means me staying till 7 or 8 at night so that I can meet with you, then that's what I'm going to have. But that's just me. Right. Right. And I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying. But not and not a but as to erase what you said. But the the flip side of that coin is parent involvement is important. Mm -hmm. Whether 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 they're self-conscious about what they don't have or not. It is their responsibility to to it is the school's responsibility to engage the parent mm-hmm. and to make the, the the environment welcoming for them. But it is the parent's responsibility to do what they have to do for their children. And Absolutely. even if that means you have to operate through self consciousness to get what is to get the information that your child needs, that is the parent's responsibility. Both sides of the coin have a responsibility, and both sides have to do their part. Absolutely. We are the What's, child's team. We are. We, we are their team. And back to a little bit of what you said, and then mm-hmm. we're going to kind of go through a couple of things and wrap it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You talked about the, the 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 changes in community. As a as a African people, we used to be very communal in nature. Mm-hmm. Communities raised us. Literally, we were in the house with our grandmother, grandparents. But if we were out in in the streets playing and we were doing something out of order, neighbors could could chastise us. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got home, our grandparents knew about it. Mm-hmm. Neighborhoods, communities, literally helped to re- to to kind of rear us. We kind of gotten away from that a little bit. And sometimes yeah. you don't even let family members help raise your children. Right. That's that's a, a little bit of the of the problem. How do we when we get back to looking at when we get back to looking at um elementary, middle school, mm-hmm. high school, and then private versus public, one of the things that I noticed, and Amanda, I want you to kinda chime in if you can on this, um, as a I used to teach middle school and one thing that I noticed um is that transition from elementary to middle school, there's a lot of parent engagement from the school perspective uh, and on the elementary school level like even like agenda books being sent back and forth yes. with signatures every single day yes. writing that the student is doing the homework a lot of engagement with the uh, with the, the teacher in middle school a lot of that stops and what happens is the parent sees their child is getting older and they kind of take their hands off a little bit but middle school is the wrong time to it do is that right. absolute wrong that, time if, if, if anything I can admonish students that transition from Fifth grade to sixth grade is crucial. Mm-hmm. That transition from eighth grade to ninth grade is crucial. And and now even uh, educationally or scholastically, that transition into third grade is crucial. And yes. parents have to be on top of what is going on with their children, not just scholastically, but emotionally, mentally, physically, all of that stuff. Um, that hands-off approach when it comes to your middle school and the high schoolers, I, if there was a, a time for us to throw that away, yes. parents, mm-hmm. we have to throw that away. 
please throw that away. Your children need you to be involved. They require that you be involved. It really does take a village to raise children. That's an African proverb, but it applies to all children. Mm -hmm. Teachers, administrators, students, parents, all of us make a team. We, we want to rally around that student so they really feel supported mm-hmm. and give them a voice. We tell our, our nephews all the time, your voice matters. Students have to know their voice matters, but we have to give them the language that is necessary for them to be able to vocalize what they need. But then we also have to give them the support on every and They have to know that everywhere they are, they are supported. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I would have to say just socially, emotionally, going into middle school, there's so tough. Um, just, you know, you're starting your cycle, there's hormones raging, all of those things. You need to be more involved than you were in elementary. More yes. involved. Mm-hmm. Because now kids are a little sneaky. They're not necessarily honest. If they if you're working and um, your child has to go home by themselves, you're requiring, everybody's requiring this now sixth grader who's like 11 or 12 to do everything by themselves. Yeah. So now, Johnny, make sure that you um, bring your agenda home. You, They don't really do that in middle school anymore. Johnny, you need to make sure you get a sign. Um, when you're at home, you got to walk home by yourself. You have to do all of these things now. And now, parents... I would say stop coddling your children a little bit too. It's you know it's a balance. I want you to allow them to try to um, be a little bit more responsible, but it is your job to make sure that if they are not doing it well, that you step in. Yes. But you are yes. watching very close from the periphery. Like you're watching very close. You need to make sure that they have the tools so mm-hmm. that they can be successful. Because what happens in middle school is it just all seems to fall apart. I don't know how many parents I talk to and they're just like, what happened to my kid? Like mm-hmm. they were so great in elementary and now. And now, and now that they are in um, middle school, it is a completely different shift. Their mind is now um, not as developed, but we're requiring them to do more mature processes. Right. And it's just, it's not fair all around. Right. So I would just say, encourage you to check your child's book bag. If they weren't really organized in, in, in elementary, they're still not organized. Not, not organized. That's a skill and now that they more need is to required. Learn. Exactly. Yeah. Now they have six different, six or seven different periods. Mm-hmm. Um, a folder Different that they have teachers, teachers, different folders. And every teacher is requiring something different of that one child. Mm-hmm. Yes. And parents. So your consistency, your involvement, all of that is necessary. So I would say empower your child, you know, to to be independent, but watch closely. I yeah. mean, check everything, check their phones, um, everything, because there are apps and things out there that parents don't even know. I was blown away the other day that there is a app locker um, and it looks like a library. So it looks like books. But when you open it, it's something my else. goodness. Yeah. So parents, so please use uh, whatever tools you can to check on your child um, empower them be consistent yes. like be consistently present um, sit down and talk to your child so if they walk home by themselves or when you're in the car time out for the iPad you need to talk to them and find out no longer for the surface conversation you need to find out what yes. you're at lunch who are your friends yeah. what is going on because emotionally that's when most parents say their child shifted yes. and it was in, in middle, middle school, school. Mm-hmm. so they might have been like brave and um, energetic before but there's something that happens in middle school that will strip them of all of their um, their strength or yeah their, their what courage they used to have, their, they, they used yeah. to have. bullying is such a big thing that it kind of if you're not careful they'll that's when they're kind of figuring out who they are and they're learning they kind of gets kind of settled in their identity in that middle school area and if you're if you're not careful who they become 
will be will not be who they're supposed to become mm-hmm. mm. um, because if they don't have an identity the world and their peers are going to give them one for them and you have to be a kind of a part of, of, of shifting that a little bit one thing and I know we're moving on um, but one thing I wanted to go back to um, I know you all were talking about is the the parents responsibility but one thing I want to make sure that we take into consideration that a lot of our families are not just the mom and the dad right. they may be raised by the grandparents yeah. or whatever like we so if you have mm-hmm. a 75 year old grandparent that's in a wheelchair it's not very likely that they're going to maybe get out to the school but the one thing and i've seen you do this liz is you have kids who you'll call and ask about they don't even go to my school but you just want information on how can i what yeah. can i give mm-hmm. this parent information you're not that child's parent, but you're the resource. Yes. So it's the community. So we have to look at it as some of our kids don't have their they mom don't. and dad. Mm-hmm. So we have to be that community for them and get the information that parents need. So I see it all, yes, moms and dads, yes, they need to be responsible. But if they can't, we still have to be that community for them. So if those of you that are out there that you know, have businesses or that have time, please give back to the community. Go, um, because it does take a village. Um, Mentors at schools, they always want mentors. They always want, Mm -hmm. you know, someone to come back and um, support their students. So if you have a skill that you know that the students can use or at the school, please um, reach back out to your local schools to try to be as involved as possible. Can I say something, Mandy, when you talk Mm -hmm. about mentors, sometimes people think schools want their money and it's not that. need your time. All it takes, if you have an hour, That's it all. could be an hour a month. Yeah. It really could uh, be. Yeah. And and just to sit down and, 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 and talk to a young person, it, it, it it's not about the money. It's about the time and mm-hmm. what you can pour into Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we life. didn't we didn't get all the way into the testing culture and um, school to prison pipeline and all these things that affect whether or not students are going to be able to learn. But we that know. that really could be a whole nother segment. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to kind of school is getting ready to start back in another week and we want you to kind of get set up for success I want this to be the best year that we have ever had. I want this to be the best year that your children have ever had academically, socially, emotionally. I want the teachers for them to be prepared in such a way Mm -hmm. that this is the most successful year your classroom has ever had. But we have to we have to raise our level of expectation for our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to also begin to expect more of ourselves as parents, as teachers, as administrators, as school districts, and realize that all of us have challenges and we're all we're all in this trying to get it together together yeah. right together. and it really still takes a village when it comes to education we know that is the pathway to success but understand that education looks different now than it did 10 15 20 years ago it looks different than it did five years ago mm. yes. and in order to stay on top of the changes parents get involved in order to keep them on top of the changes schools and administrators and teachers inform them be caring stretch out go across that invisible line that in, that that separates parents from schools cross that line with with your with your caring with your with your love and be caring enough to cross that line to reach those who don't have the strength and the courage and the wherewithal to reach to you you do it um so i just village mentality when it comes to our how we're going to educate this year let's be a village if i could leave you with any gem insert gem drop i don't know what the sound's gonna be (laughs) if there was any anything i could leave you with if ever there was a time for us to be the village 
Mm. as it concerns the educational process that time is absolutely right now so that no child can really be left behind it's going to take all of us putting our hands to the plow volunteer give your time parents talk to your children be concerned about your children care for them really uplift them even if they're doing wrong a little bit of care concern and uplifting can change the hardest heart of a child Mm. that's right Mm. absolutely so really be nurturing if ever there's a time for the village village to step up that time is Right now. now, yes. Right now, yes. That's right. That's right. I think that's it. That's All it. Right. And we will, off. we will definitely leave the the link so you lots can, of links, lots and of information links down below. So even though we didn't touch on all those things in the episode, we're gonna make sure that you have the resources and you can find and and read up on some things. Yeah. So. And we'll leave some information from our sponsor as well yeah. and even some information about some tutoring opportunities and websites. Yes. We're going to leave you with some websites to some educational websites to reading places for them to strengthen their reading, for them to strengthen their math, mm-hmm. test taking skills, all of that. We're going to leave lots of resources for you. Absolutely. So we want you to keep tuning in, okay? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Sisters Collective. Tune in next week for another family meeting. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and follow us at the Sisters Collective on all social media platforms.